Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Thriving, Part 2, Passion Fruit, recorded Sunday, June 13th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. They were churches who had he had sacrificed for. He had sacrificed really his life for years to plant those churches only to have others come in after those churches were planted and create confusion and disorientation. And so he became very protective. And you'd have to say that if you read the book of Galatians, he was very angry. He was angry because others were trying to destroy the work that the Holy Spirit was doing in people's lives. You know, there's, there's a song that uh, is written by Billy Joel that says quite stubbornly, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. Now, how different than the attitude of Jesus, who gave everything for our lives, who on the night before his crucifixion, which he knew full well was before him, he prayed, God, if there's any way you can make this thing pass before me so I don't have to go to that cross, please. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. That's the contrast. And we always find ourselves somewhere in between there. Sometimes we're at either extreme. Most people don't intentionally choose pain or suffering. It's, you probably shouldn't, something about that. People seem to naturally want to be autonomous, though, and self-focused, and that can be sinful. We, see, we want the kind of freedom where we can live our lives on our terms, and there's something to be said for that until it goes beyond what you need from me and what God asks of me. Then there's a problem. We in America champion the idea of freedom of speech, for instance, and hey, I'm for that, by the way. I think it's a great tenet. I'm for freedom of speech, even if what you say is remarkably stupid. And by the way, I've said some remarkably stupid things myself, so please forgive me. You know, the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard makes this good point. He says, people demand freedom of speech as compensation for the freedom of thought, which they seldom use. <laughs> he must have been on the 17th century version of Facebook or something, I don't know. There's a concept in the Bible that you see predominantly. It's the idea of walking. And there's a reason why the Scripture says a lot about walking. It's probably because in that period of time, virtually everyone, that was their mode of transportation. If you got anywhere, you either walked or you might jump on a boat once in a while. And if you were very wealthy, you might have a wagon. But that was very few people. So it's a good analogy, this analogy of walking. And so the Bible says we're to walk in all kinds of things. We're to walk in contentment. We're to walk in unity. We're to walk in faith. We're to walk in righteousness or good actions. We're to walk in the knowledge of God. We're to walk in wisdom. We're to walk in light, in love. We're to walk in truth. These, these, all these come right out of the Scripture. But as you probably know, the world doesn't normally match up with those things, at least in how God sees them. Like the world would say, yeah, walk in love, but the, what the world would say love is could be a completely different thing than what God says it is. 
or good actions or knowledge or, or wise behavior or certainly sin. So one of the most difficult things about us walking with God is the challenge of being under control when everything around us seems to be out of control. I mean, that's the way I see it anyway. So, so how do I know the difference? How do I know what Jesus' standards are and then the standards of those around me that are different and how do I know how to maneuver or, or walk in that and not lose myself? How am I going to know the difference? It's confusing. The way that we know that we're walking with God is when we're walking in the Spirit and even that's confusing. Because the life of the believer is one step at a time by the power of the Holy Spirit and yet I don't know how you are, but I don't always know that's happening for me. I mean, the standards of God and the standards of the world and how they're conflicting and how is the spirit working for me, it can seem very confusing to me. How do I know the difference? You know, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul also wrote this, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. So God infuses within you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. This is a promise he made to you right at the beginning of the church when Peter stood before the, the first believers ever, and he said, they asked him, what can we do? How do we, how do we receive Jesus who we've crucified? He said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Holy Spirit, or in the name of the Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he said, Here's this thing's gonna happen, this transaction where God is gonna infuse himself into your life when you yield to him. And then in Galatians 3:27, in the book we're studying this month, he told the Asian churches, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And that clothed yourselves is an allusion to the Holy Spirit, who's going to talk about now. It describes nothing less than God infusing his life into me and you. It's an amazing thing. But what is my part in this spiritual infusion? And and then how does that produce in me some form of healthy control in my life, in this world that pushes back against everything that he stands for? So we're learning from Galatians 5, and in Galatians 5, 16, we are told, walk habitually in the Spirit, and you will certainly not live by the sinful nature. Walk habitually. Make it a habit to to walk with God. That's his encouragement. Yield control of your life to his spirit. A power not of your own making. Now this isn't easy. It's incredibly good, but it's not easy. It means that you are saying, not my will, but yours be done, as Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. We're in a world where the flesh is the most powerful spirit. What I mean by that is we are susceptible to the world's viewpoint on spirituality. Now, he says he wants to transform us, and this will be ever-increasing in our life if we walk with him, but it's not always glorious how we live it out. 
because we're so human. And we have this battle between our flesh and what he's trying to do with his spirit. Paul explains this to us in Galatians 5.17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So you see this conflictual thing happening all the time and you know it's true in your life. You want to do the right things, you want to be on task with God and yet you know there's a great force pushing against that. This inner conflict, how you want to do right but it's simultaneously so hard to do because we have this residual humanness that didn't go away when we received Jesus. So we have this internal battle going on. And he says the battle place is the flesh. Let's explain that further. Look at the rest of verse 17. Because the spirit is opposed to the flesh, we don't do the things that, that, we, that we please. So he's just saying the spirit's trying to help you with this. So that you just don't follow your animal instincts all the time. That These desires don't just take over your life. We have been commanded to walk with him, to walk with his spirit, but we know there's conflict and it's formidable. Now today I want to talk to you briefly about freedom, freedom. But to do that, we need to differentiate between this idea of liberty and license, liberty and license. Liberty is freedom within limits. And there are parameters with that, parameters that are true. So, for example, liberty gives me the freedom to say pretty much anything I want on Facebook or Twitter unless it politically goes against whoever controls Facebook. But liberty does not give me the license to be dishonest, rude, hateful, or vulgar. Liberty is taking note that a person's attractive. License is flirting with a person who's married. Liberty is walking into my favorite establishment for a meal. License is walking out of that establishment dead drunk. Now, I know what I'm going to say today is going to go against much of what you're led to believe by virtually every cultural influence on the planet. But freedom is liberty, not license. Let's get how Paul explains this. First of all, he says, you're free to choose your actions, but not the consequences. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom. Use your freedom. See, that's a pretty good little descriptor of our culture. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, use it to serve one another in love. Now, we got to figure out this word flesh. It's a biblical thing, and it's a Greek concept that was pretty predominant then. What is it? I mean, when you think, I think you probably know what physically what flesh is, this marvelous organ that, that wraps your body into a healthy life. It's amazing. It breathes. It absorbs energy. It expels toxins. It's, it protects you. It controls the physicality of your life. It has sensation. When Paul uses the term flesh, he's describing how our physical sensations 
try to control our spiritual lives. The Greek thinking for the word flesh describes desire, human desires which, which we must have under control. And when they're not under control, we are controlled by them. That's called sin. Paul warns us on the next page in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow the, to, reap the, to, to please the flesh, from the flesh, you will reap destruction. Whoever sows to, 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 to please the Spirit, from, from the Spirit will receive eternal life. So God gave you this choice. You choose if you're going to live, let's just say it, predominantly in the flesh or predominantly in the spirit. You have the freedom. Now, here's what we don't like. Here's where many of you will just cross your arms and you'll, you know, you'll start looking at your phone and tweeting with people or whatever you do on your phone or you'll just pretend you're really busy right now. You'll try to shut me out. Ready for this? God gives us freedom to choose between you and him. I have freedom to choose between him and me. But he reserves the right to determine the results and the consequences. And you say, well, that's not much fun. I mean, I'd like to be able to choose whatever I'd like to choose. And then I'd also like to say, here will be the consequences of that. And most of the time, that's how we make our decisions. We think, I'm going to make this decision, and I'm going to choose the consequences. And you are free to choose your activities. But you are not free to choose the consequences thereof. And, and he says, if you choose the way of flesh, desire that's run amok, you will have to face the consequences. And the consequences are very harsh. Ultimately, they're death, but even in the intermediate period of time, there's something that dies when you do the wrong things, when you go away from God, when you make bad choices, when you take bad consequences, when you disobey what God says is best for you. And you are free, and if you choose the action, you will have to accept the consequences. So, so here's the thing. Galatians 5.19 talks about some of this. He says, here are some things that you used to choose, friends, these people in Galatia who were being duped into going back into their own way of living. He says, the acts of the flesh, which you're so familiar with, he says, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. This is anything that strays outside of God's intention for a human being's sexual gratification. And the list is pretty long. It can be anything from porn to adultery to sex outside of marriage to sex with persons and entities or of the same gender, uh, transforming your created sexual identity to something else. That's what, it's, that's what that de describes. He says, in addition to that, this is another action of the flesh, idolatry. And then he lumps in witchcraft. Anything that poses to have the right of our homage that we offer power to against God. And so we say, I'm going to go to this source for my power. And it could be like in our day and age, it could be mediums who we say are voices from the, from the grave that, that are giving us messages from that side. Things that are worshipped like that. 
It can be things like spirits who supposedly speak. It can be incarnations and prayers that are to anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ. It can be prayers that we offer to statues and, and to crystals and to charms and, and things that we focus on that are not of God. And they did that then, and we do it today. Then he says, what about hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy? These are all ways that we try to control others through our manipulative emotions and our motives. And he said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Translated, you, you can exercise all the liberty you want, but if you turn your life over to the acts of the flesh, it's doomsday. It's a dead case scenario. And then he gives us the contrast. Like so I said, this is about contrast, the flesh, the spirit, and they are in opposition and they are fighting each other. And you know it in your life. You feel it. And when you're ready to do something that's stupid, you know, pray tell, you got something in you saying, don't do it, don't do it. That's the Holy Spirit. I warn you, he says. And then he says, the fruit of the Spirit, here's the contrast, is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are the things we're going to outline over the next few weeks. So much of our decisions and choices are based on what we believe will make me happy at this moment? Or, or there's something in my life that's so hollow, so painful, that if I do this, it'll help me forget how hollow and painful I feel. And so I go to these things, these very temporary solutions, and I do something selfish or something even stupid. And, and by the way, I've, I thought about this, it's almost always out of noble motives. Like when a person chooses to stray into a sinful relationship sexually, oftentimes it's just the intrinsic motive to either give or receive or to give and receive love. I mean, it, the motive itself, it's, it's probably a good thing, but it's the choice that makes it rotten. We normally don't hate just to hate. We hate because we're afraid or because we lack inner peace. And so then the the defense mechanism is hate. It's a noble thing to want to provide for my family. God wants me to do that. But when materialism makes me greedy, that's selfish. And it takes me away from his purpose for my life. But sometimes we're so short-sighted. We're kind of like the pig I heard about that was just, you know, gorging on acorns at the, at the foot of a, of a tree. And uh, there was a crow in the tree, and he said, you should not do this, because if you root around those roots, you will lay the roots bare, and that tree will die. And the pig said, well, let it die. Who cares, as long as I get the acorns. And I think oftentimes we live our lives that way. We don't look for the long term. We say, well, right now, this satisfies me, and I'm going to do this. We are free to choose our actions, but we're not free to determine the consequences of those actions. Here's another thing. You are free to choose your master, but not the demands. So Bob Dylan, in one of his songs, the lyrics go, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. That's my 
that's my Bob Dylan. That's the best I can get. He was never a good singer. I never thought, great songwriter singing. I'm as good as he is. Anyway, well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. He sure quotes a lot of 70s and 80s songs, doesn't he? That's probably what you're thinking. Well, well who will you serve? That's the question. Bob, when he was spiritually growing, he, was, he had a good song. I don't know where he is now. I hope he's with the Lord. But Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For you're going to love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one. You'll, be, you'll despise the other. That's what he said. You can't serve two, two masters. Paul said the same thing in in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read this from the message version. Here's what it says. So, since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean that we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience, so just think about yourself, you know this, that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom, offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and that will be your last free will act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. Interesting phrase. But thank God you have started listening to a new master. Started one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. As you can readily recall, can't you, that one time the more you did just what you wanted to, felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. How much different is it now that you live in God's freedom? Your life's healed and expansive in holiness. In other words, this is a process. It's a transition. You're being made. You're not a completed project, but you are a project nevertheless of the Holy Spirit. John puts it this way. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, every master has a command. Every master will ask something of you. And you choose the master, but you don't get to choose the demands. It's kind of like the, the private I heard about. He had joined the Marines and pretty fresh. And he went to his commanding officer. He said, hey, I, I got a wedding this weekend and I'm in the wedding. Can I be released? And, and uh, the, uh, the sergeant said, well, you sure can, soldier. Be back here at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Don't be late. And the private said, well, sir, you don't understand, but, but I'm in the wedding. And uh, the sergeant said, son, you don't understand. You're a Marine. You're mine. <laughs> For two years, you're mine. And I think you've you got to understand. You get to choose the master, but he's going to rule your life. You are free to choose your actions, but not the consequences. You're free to choose your master, but not the demands. You are free to choose your leader, but not the destination. So, you know, what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit taking control of your life and you yielding to that control because when you follow the Spirit, you're saying, I'm going to follow that leader. He's going to lead me. That means we listen to his word. That means that we, we get to know Jesus Christ as thoroughly as possible from the word of God. And we have plenty to know him from. 
We, we figure out who he is and then we replicate who he is as well as we can with each other in this life. John said, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. There are many false prophets in the world. Oh, yes, there are. Jesus said, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross and follow me daily. Even if you haven't been following him yesterday and the day before and the day before that, you come back and say, wait a minute, this is a new day. I'm going back to him. I need what he has. You know, we used to do this exercise at church camp to help elementary kids understand the importance of choosing who they'll follow. So the instruction was, we put all the, the leaders that were in the exercise in a line, and we'd tell the campers, you go choose who you want to follow. And, and the thing was, we offered them a prize at the end of the exercise. So in our case, it was, it was a free trip to the canteen. Now, if you've ever been to camp, you remember that experience, that meant you got a candy bar and a, and a, and a, and a bottle of pop or something. So it was a big deal, because you're a camper who's been eating camp food for like four days. So you're, you're sugar, give it, give it to me, give it to me, right? Plus, you had no sleep for four days. So you, you love it. So the prize at the end of the, of the exercise was an item from the canteen or maybe a couple of them. You choose who to follow. We told the leaders to entice some of them to entice the campers. And we even set up the most, what we thought, popular leaders with little enticements. Because usually the young staff members, like the college-age staff members, because they were, had a lot of energy and a lot of tolerance. So, you know, everyone wanted to follow them. So they might have a few Skittles or Starburst or something like that. And they say, if you follow me, I'll give you a Skittle. You know, you're an elementary kid who's been on camp food for three days. Like, who's going to turn down a Skittle, Right. So those lines were really long, okay? And then we'd have these other three or four leaders who, you know, they just say, hey, just trust me, I'll get you to the right place. And they were incredibly short lines. Maybe they're kids or something, I don't know. And you probably know what happened. The leaders with the enticement props led their kids to a place that had no reward. But, but the leaders who just asked for the trust of the, of the students... They made it to the reward. Freedom is an awesome and precious thing. And freedom requires trust and commitment and courage. And to be truly free, you have to choose the right leader. The one who will take you the right place. But you have to decide. No one's going to decide for you. And if you let someone decide for you, I hate to say it, you're on a bad path. It's a road and a journey, not just a one-time decision. And you have a Holy Spirit that will lead you if you'll trust Him. Lord, as we come to this point in our service, we, we always take a pause. We reflect we reflect on you, who in your free will choice, you followed the obedience of your Father. You laid your life out for us. Incredible self-sacrifice. Never since matched in the history of the world. I mean, people give their lives for noble causes, but no one but you has given the life of God for those who he created.
So Lord, you're worth following. And in this moment of communion, as I take that bread that represents your body broken and as I take that cup that represents your blood shed for me, I'm saying again to you, I'm in your line and the enticements of this world, I'm going to trust you. So Lord, may we worship you this way at this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In my life, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm with you with hands wide open. Lord, speak. Speak what's true. And, and then i got to go with him. And I sense in this room, I've sensed it in the last one too, that there's a great amount of pain and hesitancy that comes with that. And it's been kind of a, a tough season for most of us where there's been some brokenness that has emerged through the last year, year and a half. Stuff that we were able to mask with busyness and with our jobs, with our families and being on the go all the time. We're very busy people in our culture. And what's happened is we've had to look at ourselves. And, you know, there's two kinds of masters that want to take, take control in that situation, as we've been talking about. And so we've made some choices, some of us, that have wrecked our lives. So this is the time to reset that because we are being made into his likeness. We are being transitioned, and that's a process. And today's a new day. And you can start today if you'll follow him. And that's why we're here, to encourage you, to help you. Let us be a part of that. And if you have some needs that way that you want to express, we have a place called The Hub where you can stop and say, yeah, I'd like to talk to somebody. Do that today. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.